Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Casser podcast. So I think we should get started, even though we may expect a couple of more people, but the time is there. So um, it's a pleasure for me as every Tuesday to welcome you to uh, the MF Casser lunch in the library. Uh, and it's a particularly great honor to introduce today's speaker, Bodhisattva Shatupadhyay, um, Associate Professor at ECOS, right? Yes, welcome. (laughs) It's good to have you here. So uh, Bodhi will present the work that is going on in the various co-future project or the co-future project. You have to explain this. Uh, And I I must say that this is one of the most exciting research projects uh, out there in my view. So I really look forward to hearing about it. So we'll do what we always do at the MF Coster lunch. We'll let Bodhi speak for 13 minutes sharp <laughs> and then we have like 30 minutes for question and answers uh, and you can use uh, the microphone that is over there if you want to um, ask questions if you're in the audience here or if you uh, are following us on zoom you can use the chat function and esther will read uh the questions for us Ori, please thank you Liv. it's really a pleasure to be here and it's, the, it's my first time in this uh, in this library i've been in this building before so it's it's quite nice um last time i was walking around you asked me why are you snooping like you know, <laughs> you know, this, this seems to be a cool library here so so now i'm here so uh hello everyone hello to those following on zoom um so i am bodhisattva chatobadhyay bodhi uh, I uh, am PI of uh, CoFutures, which is, um, so what's the distinction here? So CoFutures is kind of like an umbrella now for many different uh, projects. So um, CoFutures has uh, an ERC project called CoFutures, Pathways to Possible Presence. It has an NFR free pro project um, called Science Fictionality, which is also under this. Then there are Marie Curie projects under this. There are other artistic research projects under this, four artistic research projects under this. Uh, in all, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the team is, um, the core team is kind of like 12 people and uh, with various members scattered around the world, right? So, so most of my evenings, for instance, are spent in meetings because so many of my colleagues are in the US. But um, so what I'm going to try and do in the next few minutes is very briefly give an idea of what CoFutures is about and what it's trying to do. And then, uh, you know, open up for questions. So, you know, uh, whatever those are. I'm also a Trekkie. So what is CoFutures? So CoFutures is really, uh, you know, it is connected to in many ways to science fiction, which is why I pointed to the Star Trek badge. But in a way, it's also um, a movement further away from it or quite far away from it in many ways. Actually, CoFutures begins in some of the breaks that we can observe in the 21st century between science fiction and what's happening in the rest of the world in regards to the future and in regards to futurisms, right? So for the last 20 years, uh, especially for the last 10, what we have, what we can notice around the world is there a lot of these new movements, they are transmedial. Some of those are artistic movements. Some of those are in literature. You know, so you have a lot of fiction, you have a lot of artwork, you have a lot of music, you have fashion, you have a, you know, a whole bunch of video games, a whole bunch of different ways of looking at the future, which are um, 
being created by various communities, uh, especially marginalized communities around the world, right? So you have a bunch of these. There's, for instance, Afrofuturism, which a lot of you will recognize because Afrofuturism kind of like, boom, mainstream uh, with uh, Black Panther, but you know, it's actually quite a lot older than that. Um, so there's Afrofuturism, there's African futurism, there's indigenous futurism, which is uh, with indigenous people from around the world, primarily in the US and Canada, North America, but it has also spread worldwide to uh, South America. Um, to here in Norway, for instance, there's Sami futurism. So there's a whole bunch of indigenous uh, futurisms around the world. So it's futurisms in plural. Uh, there's also Middle Eastern futurisms, and there's a lot of like, you know, discussion as to whether the term Middle East should even be used, it should, whether it should be Arab futurism, there's Turkish futurism, there's a whole bunch of those futurisms as well. Then there are South Asian futurisms, you know, we can't call them Indo-futurisms because it's not just India, you know, so there's Desi futurism, which is another term. So, you know, if you, whatever you want to use. So there's a whole uh, bunch of those that are coming up. Uh, then there, uh, there is China, of course, which in many ways is not quite uh, aligned to, um, which has in many ways, uh, you know, the same kinds of ambitions as Anglophone SF. Uh, so those of you who have seen Wandering Earth, for instance, on Netflix will know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, it's China's big Hollywood movie, right? Uh, so on the one hand, there is that, but there is also this very conscious effort to say that we are not Anglophone. We are not trying to do the same thing that has always been done, right? So these futurisms, which have kind of like, you know, they have emerged and exploded really in the last decade. So CoFutures is a project that looks at these. So CoFutures is very, it's, it's, focused on the contemporary. I'm, I, I have a background in history of science fiction really and, and history of medicine and how that connects. But what I'm working on and what the team is working on really is the present last 20 years, but very specifically uh, last 10, right? And we are doing this transmedially, which is why I mentioned that, that we have, uh, you know, all these other projects as well, arts projects and so on and so forth. So we also have a games research lab at the university. It's the first game research lab at the University of Oslo really. Uh, because we also look at games, right? Because a lot of indigenous futurist expression, for instance, or Afrofuturist expression is coming through video games, right? So we're looking at video games as well. Um, yeah, so why are we looking at these? So that's that's the more um, interesting question, right? And And also what makes these futurisms different from the, the standard kind of Anglophone futurisms that we have seen or Anglo-American futurisms that we have seen? Uh, for, uh, for a very long time. There are several reasons for, uh, for looking at them. A very simple reason, a very, very basic reason that, that is often brought up is we are not uh, sharing in the white imaginary, right? So global South imaginaries are resistance to the white imaginary, right? White Anglophone imaginary of traditional science fiction. But that's a very simple answer. That's not quite all there is to this. Um, what, you know, so there is a, there is an ethnic component to a lot of this, but that's not the most interesting point. What's most interesting to me and in many ways to what the team is trying to explore is how are these, uh, futurisms, uh, you know, giving us a different way of understanding the future, 
right? Which we also, I mean, we had a talk on theory from the margins, uh, right? So theory from the margins is actually one of the one of the projects that CoFutures also supports. Um, and next year we're going to have a conference called Futures from the Margins, the SFRA conference in in 2022. So, so what are these futures from the margins? So one of the one of the big differences here between um, these new futurisms and what has been happening is um, quite simply a resistance to the idea of a closed future, right? So to give an example, I mentioned climate change in the description. To give an example, like if you think about climate change, if you think about you know what the shit show that happened recently at COP26, um, if you look at the idea of um, you know future from the perspective of climate change and you know what's going to happen in the next 15 20 50 30 uh, you know whatever time span you use right if you have that kind of a vision this is a temporal vision right it's very very simply a question about time it's a question about scenario building how do you go from x to y you know if we do this then not this and so on right it's a it's a very elaborate set of calculations uh, which are meant to govern the future, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the basic logic of this, right? Um, and if you try and think about this, you'll also notice that climate uh, discussions are generally a lot about trauma. You know, it's about the fact that you really can't do anything. No matter, you know, you can, you can keep recycling, you know, your, your trash, you can keep separating in blue and green bags, but you know, the future is still doomed. You can start, you, you know, like that's, that's, that's kind of the basic, basic model, right? That no matter what you do, right? You have, uh, you have certain kinds of individual action that you can take, which will only delay the inevitable, which is doom, right? So this is, this is the discourse of, of um, climate change and climate chaos and climate catastrophe. So if we are looking at, uh, you know, climate fiction, let's say, which is another subgenre of science fiction, if one wants to call it a subgenre, then climate fiction, primarily in the Anglophone world, a lot of it is really about doom, right? So you have a lot of post-apocalypses and things like that. You know, things, you know, it's, it's kind of a mess that you will end up with climate disasters, right? But uh, as, as uh, my friend and uh, Indian science fiction writer, Samit Basu says, dystopias are boring where dystopia is just Tuesday. Right. So, uh, so if you look at futures from the margins, if you look at what's happening in these futures or futurisms from around the world, you will notice that they are not really about doom and gloom. I mean, of course, there's catastrophe, but that's Tuesday, right? So, what you get is a different way of thinking, a different way of thinking about resilience, a different way of thinking also about technology and innovation. But I don't have time to go into that. Um, but it definitely offers you a different model for uh, for resilience, right? Uh, and for instance, to talk about indigenous futurists, one of the one of the big challenges that they have is that this kind of a linear model of time doesn't hold, right? So a lot of indigenous uh, philosophers and indigenous people believe in a very different construct of time. It's not a linear sense of time. The past and the future and the present are basically the same time, right? You just you exist in all these different times simultaneously. Right? And this, is, this also is a challenge to the idea of linearity that you find, for instance, in climate discourse, right? in, in any kind of historical discourse. Um, 
So, how much time do I have? Do I have five minutes? You have two. Three. I have two. Okay, three. <laughs> then, then uh, I, th I think I think I think it'll uh, um, you know I'll I'll um, end with an example really. So again, to think of uh, of the temporal idea, right? How how things move forward in time and so on and so forth. So when you look at apocalypses from uh, you know the the larger anglophone world, it's it's like you you know it's like something that's in the future, right? If you look at indigenous uh, philosophers, for instance, Nick Estes, who was actually, uh, you know, invited to one of the theory from the margin sessions. Now, Nick Estes has this fantastic book, uh, Our History is the Future, and it's talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline protests, right? And that is that is a climate change related protest that's, that has happened in the last few years. It's actually very burning as an issue right now, even now. Uh, unfortunately so. But that book is called Our History is the Future. And what it does is that it looks at models of indigenous resistance that have happened throughout history to different forms of extraction politics, right? To different forms of necropolitics, to different forms of, you know, uh, extractivism, oil uh, ex adventurism, and so on that has happened throughout the history of America, right? And it doesn't say that you know this is the future. It says our history is the future. So in order to find a way of thinking about this, you go back in time, really. You know, you go back to thinking about different kinds of resistance, the resistance that has always been embedded in indigenous thinking, right? And this is the kind of uh, you know alternative temporal thinking that you find in Afrofuturism. There is, for instance, a movement within, uh, which is kind of a breakaway movement called, uh, not a breakaway movement, but one of the many movements called Black Quantum Futurism. And it is very much a futurist movement, but it is also talking about um, time from a quantum perspective. There are many different things to unpack there. One of them is that time doesn't exist. Uh, the other is that, you know, the way you would construct time linearly doesn't actually follow if you just look at physics. So, um, you know, so there's a challenge also within futurist discourse because mainstream futurist discourse also does very much this kind of scenario building. Oh, you know, if this, then that, if this, then that. So challenges this kind of if this, then that actually it gives you a different way of talking about the present as it does about the future. And in doing so, maybe gives us hope. So that's what we do at CoFutures. We are looking for hope. <laughs> We have a lot of hope and we're looking for more. So thank you. <laughs> thank you.